Are you looking to build your church's group ministry? Get the training and resources you need with All Access, a new plan from the Small Group Network. I'm James Browning with the Small Group Network. For $49 a month or just $4.90 a year, you get All Access to courses, workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, half off all of our in-person events, including The Lobby and Accelerate. And the best part is, All Access is a church-wide license. That means every staff member, every volunteer, and every leader at your church is included for that same price. Head over to smallgroupnetwork.com slash allaccess to learn more and compare plans. All Access is your community unlocked. Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search. Well, welcome back to the Leadership Journey. This is your host, Bill Search. And uh, last time together, we started out on how do we coach our leaders when the small group gets tired? How do we breathe new life into tired groups. And I mentioned last time the show notes will be in the place where you can find notes. There's a keynote in there and you are welcome to use it, adapt it, make it your own, whatever serves you. That's why we're here to serve you. We talked about in the last time we were together, why does a group get tired? We, we examined a couple of reasons. The leader begins to coast and we examined when meetings become routine. And in this session, we're going to cover the last two, which is the relationships had a plateau, because they all do, and the purpose is lost. What do you do when that happens? Well, let's talk about this first one. The relationships had a plateau. You ever had that happen? And I know you've had that happen. You're thinking of that right now. We've all had that happen. A relationship is just on fire. You enjoy being together. It's like you were siblings that somehow were separated at birth, but now have found each other, and you can't get enough of each other. There's texting. There's phone calls. There's all kinds of stuff. You look forward to be together. There's uh, excuses to bump into each other, and then something happens. You know, it just kind of goes cold. I mean, it doesn't even go cold. Cold's fine, but it just goes lukewarm. What do you do? What do you do when the relationship's at that plateau? And again, they all do. Most small groups, at some point or another, have this happen. The group can really enjoy each other, and then it's not that they even annoy each other. They just aren't on fire anymore, and it's noticeable. How can you tell when a group is, uh, has uh, you know, sort of lost that first love? Well, people miss the group. Sometimes they don't even let you know they miss the group. Or if they miss the group, they miss the group for the lamest of reasons. Oh, I didn't have time to grocery shop this week, and this is the only time for the next two weeks to grocery shop. Sure. Yeah, I buy that. But it happens. So why does it happen? I think there's a few reasons. We stop being curious about others. We do. I mean, we feel like, well, I've learned everything I can learn about that person. I've run out of questions to ask them. They've run out of questions to ask me, and maybe there's just nothing new to know about them. Or, or people plateau relationally because they decide how far they're going to go relationally. That is, 
I'm only going to be so transparent. I'm only going to be so honest. I'm only going to share so much of myself with you. I'm not necessarily going to share what I really think about this or that. Or I'm not going to let you know about this part of my life. Actually, this is why I think a lot of people don't want to host a small group. You go into somebody's home and you see what matters to them. You see what they spend money on or what they don't spend money on or how they spend time or how they keep house or how they don't keep house. And I don't think I would judge. I don't think I would judge any of my friends, but it's always a risk. You've never been in their house. You don't know how they keep house. And so they're not ready to be that kind of transparent with you, right? So um, we decide how far we're going to go relationally. Uh, the third reason that relationships plateau is potential conflict zones are avoided. We sure have learned that over the last couple of years as things have heated up politically. We hear words like polarization. I know I'm hesitant to talk about politics with people. I don't, I don't find that to be a comfortable subject. Some people find it very comfortable. I don't. And, uh, and I don't know if I shared my thoughts, what, what that would mean to people, if they would judge me for my opinions of things. Uh, uh, We've had it with the pandemic. There's people who are passionate about the vaccine and mass, and there's passionate people against both of those things. And then there's passionate people about forcing people to do things that they don't want to do. And there's passionate people against forcing people to do things they don't want to do. I mean, and the list goes on. And so most of us are a little bit gun shy about the conflict zones. And so we just avoid it. But the thing is, is in those more controversial subjects, there's deeper layers of relationship. Think about your most intimate connections. They know where you stand, don't they? That's that's because they're in that intimate friendship circle with you. And so you're okay sharing that truly open moment with them. But if you're not willing to do that, that'll help a relationship plateau. And then finally connected to that one is we just don't feel safe. I'm just really concerned that if I shared what I really think about this, that, or the other thing, you'd judge me. You'd think I'm not a good Christian, or maybe you won't think I'm a Christian at all. Or maybe you won't think I'm a good person, or maybe you'll think I'm, a, I'm dumb or ignorant or a jerk or whatever, right? And so this is the world that we are living in right now. So what can we do about it? How do we move past the plateau? Well, let me get, give you some suggestions here. There's uh, six of these, actually, that I'll suggest to you. Uh, the first is don't avoid the awkward. Embrace it. Now, I wouldn't do this in a brand new group, okay? But if your group's been around for a couple years, you can probably deal with the awkward. You can probably talk about some things. I mean, you're going to have to figure out how to talk about those things, but embrace it. Move kind of into the mess a little bit. Again, you might have to coach people on how not to be a jerk and all of that, but, but there you go. Number two, utilize good icebreakers. I can't say this enough, people. But if you only own one book on small groups, Buy a book of icebreakers. I mean it. Good icebreakers. Which, by the way, there's a lot of raunchy icebreakers out there, so be very careful. Not all icebreakers you find on Amazon are appropriate for groups, okay? So just be prepared. Probably shouldn't bring Cards Against Humanity to your small group and call it an icebreaker. On the other hand, depending on your group, um, no, you probably shouldn't even then. See, I judged you. Did I make you feel unsafe? I hope that made you laugh. Okay, number three, encourage people to share what no one in the group would guess or know about them. So just share, that's that's its own kind of icebreaker, but uh, encourage it. 
you know, when you, when you get into these things, and you, it's amazing what sometimes comes out that people will share. But encourage people to share what no one in the group would guess or know about them. If, if they have an unusual hobby or a weird collection or any of that. Again, this kind of falls within the icebreaker, but it, here's where it's more than icebreaker. Like something you probably don't know about me. Not that you care, but um, I love work. I love building things with wood. And particularly reclaimed wood. I live near, a, I live in a housing development that's constantly being developed. And so I'll, I'll get scrap wood and I'll make things out of it. And some of it's not half bad, you know. I've never sold anything, but most people wouldn't know that about me, that uh, I have a, a pretty big tool collection in my garage and I live in a pretty nice warm part of the, uh, the States, at least most of the year, so I can bring my tools out in the uh, driveway. Anyhow, that's more than you wanted to know. I'm sure right now you're like, move on and move on. All right, number four. Talk about the forbidden subjects of politics, sex, and religion. You're already talking about one of them. You're already talking about faith, so might as well go there with the other two. Again, I'm not saying this for a brand new group. Remember, this is for a group that's plateaued. This is for a group that's been around for a while. You know, and maybe a little bit of uh, controversy and debate could stir things up in a good kind of way. Again, you're going to have to learn how to, how to talk about these things in a safe way, in a proper way, conduct yourself in a godly way in the way that you do it. But we sometimes think you're not supposed to talk about that. And uh, as I mentioned in the first session, this, these, uh, these, this one in, the, in part one is built around, uh, built around, uh, Parker, uh, uh, Priya Parker's uh, book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. And so this is one of the things that she is a big fan of. She's like, by all means, lean into controversy. In my book, The Essential Guide for uh, Small Group Leaders, I have a bunch of tips in there and a handful of chapters on how to wade into those subjects, how to deal with conflict, how to talk about some of these things. So make use of that stuff. Uh, number five, connected to it, don't stop conflict, guide it. So if something controversial comes up, don't lean over and go, hey, 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 we don't talk about that in this group. No, instead, say, oh, hey, let's, let's, let's be thoughtful about how we express our opinions, making sure that we, we go after ideas, but let's not go after people. One of the topics that tends to come up in groups, I should say, tends to, but I, I, in my experience it's come up a time or two, is politics. And people either want to talk about politics or they don't want to talk about politics. And so rather than say, hey, we don't talk about politics, I'd say up front with a brand new group, it's good. Hey, let's steer clear of politics till we are really comfortable with each other. But if you finally get there with your group and that helps move past the plateau, then guide it. Say, hey, um, the scriptures say that we aren't to bear false witness against others. And that's another way of saying we shouldn't slander others. And when you think about how much political discourse is nothing but slander, it's not built around fact. It's built around attack of the person, perceptions of a person, and then attacking the perceptions. So just right now, think of who you consider some of the most political voices in politics people who are in this political sphere. Maybe they are uh, pundits, but maybe they hold elected office. You picture that person right now. You know who they are. Picture the person you like the absolute least, that you just kind of, you see, you get hot under the collar. Person. Of 
according to the Bible, that person is made in God's image and Christ died for that person. That means they're of incredible value and Christ hopes they are redeemed, enjoying the family of God. Now, can you get there too? Do you feel that too? Well, that might be a way of helping people frame how we talk about these things. So don't stop conflict, guide it. And then navigate underlying conflicts. There's a lot of times where you won't talk about the actual thing. You'll talk around and underneath the thing. And so um, navigate some of those underlying conflicts. A lot of times people's opinions about, for instance, um, uh, let's say uh, an easy one here. Uh, I live in Oklahoma. I'm not from Oklahoma. So when I moved to Oklahoma, people who are from Oklahoma said, which team are you going to cheer for? I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, are you going to be a, a Sooner or are you going to be a Cowboy? Because those are the two big university teams in the state. And I said, look, I'm not going to bow to your local pagan religions. I'm a Michigan State Spartan fan through and through. And they kind of laughed. Most of them laughed. But I only bring that up is because you tend to, to cheer for a sports franchise based upon your upbringing, where your parents attended or what they were passionate about, the sports that they were passionate about. And so in that regard, the, the, the underlying, the undergirding of, of opinions had more to do with family of origin. Now that's benign. It's just sports, right? But if, your political point of view or your opinion about what is proper education or careers or incomes or how to spend money, you take any opinion, most of that isn't going to be found in the Bible. Even for Christians, it's going to be founded in their culture and family of origin. So a lot of opinions start somewhere outside of the Bible. And then they sometimes move their way into the Bible when people go looking for one way or another to support their opinions. So navigate the underlying conflicts and where they are rooted. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, uh, make sure you make a comment on our Facebook group and say, Bill, that made no sense. Explain that one. And I will. I'll try to. So now what? Well, um, when, when the group is plateaued, here's some things you can do. You can uh, split by gender if you are a couples or a mixed group, women in one area, men in another. You could subgroup for prayer. You could subgroup down to two people for prayer, and that way it'll spice things up a little bit. You can go on a retreat, go somewhere else, get out of your normal routine and go someplace. Or you could do a day trip or hit a local restaurant or play local tourist, go to a museum together. Anything to bring your group into a new setting where you do something out of the ordinary and you do it together. And if you can do the trip part, the journey part, by putting people in maybe uh, carpooling. So it's not just independent people driving and meeting places. The actual trip itself can be full of all kinds of amusement. Okay, so that's the that's one of the big issues why a group kind of gets tired is the relationships just plateau. But another reason, the fourth reason overall, but the second for today, is there's a lost purpose. You know, at one time you knew what your group was all about, and you... Um, you, you don't know what it is anymore. And uh, uh, Parker, in her book, The Art of Gathering, there's this interesting quote. She says, a good gathering purpose should be disputable. Now, that is an interesting concept. 
In other words, it should stir up a little controversy of why you're meeting. And so that's a place to start. Start with why are we meeting? Rather than dictate what the purpose is to the group members, take it another direction. Ask the group, why are we meeting? What I would do first is I'd ask the church leadership, why do you think we're meeting? Sometimes church leadership knows. Sometimes church leadership doesn't know. Sometimes the church leadership thinks they know, and it's something very different than the group. So then after you ask the church leadership why you're meeting, reverse engineer the current meeting and compare to the stated goal. So you'll find all kinds of things said by churches. Oh, our small groups exist to help evangelize and reach the lost. And then you reverse engineer it by checking with the different small groups and you find out, no, not one single small group purposely reached a lost person. Or the, the small group might say, or the church leadership might say, the purpose of our group is to help disciple people and grow them deep. And then you check with your group or maybe some of the other groups and you find out, no, no, that's not exactly happening in the group. Or you find out exactly that's what's happening in the group. So then um, ask another question, which is, who is the group for? And if your church says for everyone, then you might have to decide a subdivide and go, how do we break everyone into someone? How do we find out who's the someone that we are going after? And then after you've, you've asked that big question of why are we meeting, then you ask why are we meeting? And that's where you turn that question on your group. Is our goal the same as the leadership goal? Do we have a different goal? That's a really important couple of questions there. Because then you have to ask, if the leadership thinks we're meeting for this purpose, and actually it turns out we think we're meeting for this purpose, you might need to communicate with the leadership. I'm not sure the purpose that you have in mind is actually playing out in groups in our church. And maybe the leadership has to address that somehow, not in a, not in a heavy-handed kind of way, but it's just good feedback for them to know. On the other hand, you might find out that the uh, leadership of the church has incredibly impractical reasons why your group is needed. And then third, restate and reaffirm your purpose. Uh, once you've discussed the purpose as a group and you arrive at consensus, then once you've done that, you have everyone re-up. Okay. So what, so what now? You've done this. You've gone through the plateau group. And you've tried to do some stuff, and it still feels plateau. And your group doesn't feel like it has a purpose, or at least you can't quite put your finger on what the purpose is, or maybe the purpose is mismatched with the church's purpose. And so you're not 100% sure what to do about that. And, and so maybe what, it's, maybe what it's time for is to end your group. And in my book, uh, The Essential Guide for Small Group Leaders, I have a whole section on how to graciously end your group. Sometimes that's the right answer. Sometimes it's time. And so yeah, just six things real quick. I'm just going to scroll through just to recommend, and it's in the book, but it's also in your show notes if you want to. Number one, understand all groups come to a natural end. Every group does. Every family comes to a natural end. Uh, people die of natural causes or unnatural causes for that matter, but they die. And so a family unit at some point ceases. So does a group. That's okay. It's a life cycle. Number two, get input from the group members. If you feel like maybe it's time for our group to close down, you might suggest you might have this conversation with the members of your group. Number three, ask everyone to make a personal plan. Hey, 
I think the right thing to do is uh, close the group. And the group says, yeah, we think that too. Then you ask everybody, what are you going to do? Where are you going to attach? Are you going to serve? Are you going to start a new group? Are you going to join a new group? What are you going to do? Four, plan a final meeting. Put it on the calendar. Put the meeting on your calendar. Don't drag it out. End the group in a prayer circle. And uh, number six, don't forget to tell your pastor or small group coach that you represented. Communicate that so that you don't keep getting those emails about your group that doesn't exist anymore. And somewhere between, you know, asking everyone to make a personal plan and ending in a prayer circle, plan out a fabulous final meeting. Just plan it. Put it on the calendar and plan it. Have Have a party. Celebrate all that God has done. And that way, if you have a tired old group and you're a tired old leader, You'll, you'll go out with your boots on, and it'll feel good. And your last meeting will be a thing of revelry and joy, rather than just sort of fading off into the sunset. So um, that last one might have been a little depressing. It shouldn't be. It should actually be just as joy-filled as the other ones. But those are some things that you can do when you have a tired group, and you are a maybe a small group leader yourself, or you are coaching small group leaders. So as I said uh, periodically throughout this whole podcast, uh, my encouragement to you is take this material, adapt it, use it as a teachable moment, little article, cut and paste it, send it to your leaders, whatever you find helpful, so that they can experience some rejuvenation in their group. Well, thank you for joining me here on The Leadership Journey. Again, this has been a real joy to be with you. I'm Bill Search, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support. Hey, Group Talk listener, Jason here, Group Talk producer. Our Group Talk podcast is growing in listenership, and we have exciting news for you listeners. Starting April 6th, we are launching the Group Talk network of podcasts. Don't worry, we'll still have your favorite shows, favorite hosts, and favorite topics. They'll just be on their own separate channel, and they'll be available wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. And best of all, we will be expanding and offering some very exciting new resources to help equip you in your ministry, because a great network is made of great people like you. Hi, it's James Browning again. I wanted to let you know that we have a big event coming up this July. We are combining our Align and Accelerate training workshops for small group point people just like you. Day one will feature Align, a training overview of small group ministry covering the big pictures and strategies of small group ministry, plus how to align it with your church's mission and vision. It's perfect for those new or returning to small group ministry. Days two and three are Accelerate, an intensive workshop that dives deep into small group strategies. You and your team will come out with a 12 to 18 month plan for your small groups. This workshop is perfect for churches who want to take their existing small group ministry to the next level. This event takes place at the Saddleback Rancho Retreat Center in beautiful San Juan Capistrano, California. 
Lodging and lunches are included. You have the flexibility of choosing to attend Align or Accelerate or get a discounted rate for attending both. Oh, and if you happen to be an All Access member, your whole team always gets 50% off. So we'll see you this July 11th through 13 at Align and Accelerate. For more information, go to smallgroupnetwork.com slash conferences or check it out in the show notes.